0: Welcome to the Gamers Tavern. Why is it always the flame bait episodes we can never find guests for? This week, Ross and I reintroduce ourselves to you a little bit as we go through all our segments. Because we have no guests talking about the subject of alignment. And yeah, we don't exactly agree on a lot of stuff. But just like we are civil to each other on the show, be civil, be civil. each other in the comments section. But first, grab a drink from the bar and take a seat at the table in the corner and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor.
1: Have you been looking for a dark fantasy RPG setting? Are you interested in seeing a new take on the action horror genre? Then you should check out Accursed. Accursed is a setting for the Savage Worlds RPG created by me, Ross Watson, and my good friends Jason Marker and John Dunn. It is a world where the heroes are monsters who fight for redemption against the witches who have conquered their land. To find out more about Accursed, search for Accursed on DriveThroughRPG.com. Accursed is now on sale there and in many other fine retailers for gaming PDFs. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy a Accursed. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Gamer's Tavern podcast. I'm Ross Watson, your host.
0: And I'm Daryl Mont, Jr.
1: And tonight, it's just us.
0: Been a while. Yeah. (laughs) And it always seems to be the, you know, flame war, baity topics that we can't seem to get (laughs) anyone on.
1: (laughs) You know, maybe it's better that way. You know, this way we we only have ourselves to blame if anything goes wrong. Mm,
0: We can get plenty of people for graphic violence and content, (laughs) but...
1: (laughs) <laughs> alignment. You can't to, get me one. <laughs> which is tonight's topic is, is about alignment in role-playing games. So, you know, we normally do our whole gaming character sheet thing. Um, I don't know how much we need to really get into that when it's just us. But, um, Daryl, <laughs> what's your gaming character sheet?
0: Well, I'm a 15th-level pedant, and I found that out on Reddit today when I got into about five different arguments all at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not my fault. Someone started a thread that said what's a fact that's commonly misunderstood and it was just like it drew all of my type like flies we were all over the place wow. it was kind of brilliant but yes uh i write the gaming tabletop column for ain't it cool news and i've also been a gamer pretty much all of my life in some way shape or form all the way up from i can count colors to do candy land up until today
1: very good and what is your alignment <sighs> that being the, the, topic of the depends,
0: that depends on how much bur- how much bourbon i've had i think <laughs> i tend to slide more to the chaotic neutral the more bourbon i've had i i think
1: so sober daryl is of good and
0: possibly yeah
1: okay <laughs> uh well that's uh that's interesting i am uh a seventh level rocket ranger <laughs> And my alignment is normally lawful good, but uh, you get some whiskey and me, some Irish whiskey. I found this out last Gen Con. Um, Jason Marker tells the story way better than I do. But I found out that I do transform into Whiskey Ross, and Whiskey Ross is <laughs> definitely more lawful neutral than lawful good. <laughs> Probably even more chaotic than that, actually. I don't know. You know, that's that's an interesting question, but. Let's see. I am a, a game designer with uh, quite a few credits. Actually, I, I just recently rebuilt my website on the internet. It is therosswatson.com, and I put together like a list of my credits there, and I was kind of surprised to see, really. I was like, wow, I, I forgot how many I have here.
0: <laughs> yeah, It's every single time I have to send out an email to a guest. It's like, And our host is Ross Watson, who worked on, okay, how, how can I trim this down a little bit and still hit all the high notes because there's so many of them? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know, the high points are Star Wars, Edge of the Empire, the 40K roleplay line, and Darksiders 2, probably. So that's my gaming code sheet in brief. We, If you want to know more about us like in extensive detail, Daryl and I talked about that in episode 0. Is that correct?
0: That's right. And for the record, yes, I know it sounds like absolute horse shit now. The audio quality was not there on the early episodes of the podcast, I have found out by listening to some of the old raw recordings recently when I was redoing an archive, so the content, the content's still great.
1: Maybe we should re-record that sometime. The next part, you know, of course, what have we been playing lately? Let's start with uh, me. I have been playing lately, I gotta just say this out loud, Blood Bowl, the computer game, is just ridiculously addictive. <laughs> I mean, you start playing Blood Bowl, and I, you know, at least for me, I can't just, I just can't stop. I'm like, one more game, just one more game. My guy's about to level up. Just one more game.
0: Is this a full fledged game, or is it like a like an app sort of game?
1: Oh no, no, no. This is totally. It's it's Blood Bowl, the computer game. You can get it on Steam. It's like a full fledged. It's not like a mobile. You know, I I guess I'm not trying to disparage mobile games, but you know, a mobile game to me feels pretty small, and limited, and the 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 Blood Bowl game is pretty pretty beefy.
0: I usually you think like I mean. like 16-bit knockoffs is what I think of when I think of app-style games. Like it's in that. And again, not saying anything bad about 16-bit. Some we of my greatest childhood memories. <laughs> some of my greatest childhood memories. Those I even consider Shadow and Returns kind of an app game.
1: Well, Shadow definitely has a more of an app game feel to me. Let's put it that way. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Blood Bowl lately, <laughs> and I've got uh, you know my Avengers game still running every week. And mm-hmm. uh, we just wrapped up my big Accursed uh, campaign just this last weekend, and we're going to start playing Arduin Grimoire next because uh, that's kind of my next thing. Nice. So what about you?
0: Uh, Me, I've been playing in our Jeteron game table. Also managed to break out cards against humanity the other night.
1: Oh, good. With some friends. That's a good uh, one.
0: And I will not be repeating anything that was said because I was kind of sworn to secrecy by a couple of people. (laughs) All right. Needless to say, it was a blast.
1: I have got to try Cards Against Humanity one of these days.
0: You, you still haven't played it? No. Comic Palooza, we're playing.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that, we do have conventions coming up.
0: Yeah. Usually we talk about, I, I bring this up at the wrap up at the end, but it's, it's kind of like all coming together all at once. Uh, Ross and I are both going to be at Gen Con. Yay. We are also going to be both at Comic Palooza in Houston, Texas on uh, Memorial Day weekend, which is, I think about a month out from when this episode's going to air. So in about a month, uh, we're going to be in Houston, Texas.
1: That's right. And it, there's there's a good possibility that we could be at some other cons and stuff later. We'll keep you informed. As always, just go to the website, which is GamersTavern.org, to find out all the latest. So, Tavern Tales. You know, we have never actually told the Tavern Tale to each other. Nope. We always get the guests. Um, let's. Uh, why don't you pick up with one of your great stories about rolling dice?
0: Shadowrun 3rd Edition. I was trying to run a... You know, my typical black trench coat thing, my players had completely other ideas, and I'm kind of a, eh, go with it kind of guy, so, ended up happening was, it's like, they had their stolen rocket launcher on the roof of a building, and two helicopters from uh, uh, Lone Star are in the air, one of them's taking fire from a machine gun, and the guy with the rocket launcher says, I want to hit the other one. So it's like, okay, let me add up all the penalties. And it ended up with like a target number in the upper teens. And he had very few dice to roll. But this was third edition, so this is before the edge attribute. So everything, all sixes exploded. So he rolls like, I think it was like four or five dice. Three sixes. And then rolled two sixes. Two sixes. Nice. Five and a six. 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 It ended up, his final results on one hit was something like, 37, I think. Wow. I wanted to say 36, but no, it couldn't have been 36. It had to have been at least 37, because 36 is divisible by 6, which meant he would have gotten to roll one more time and add it on. But most target numbers in Shadowrun 3rd Edition, a hard target number is like 8, 9, 10. Yeah. He rolled a 36. So my ruling, the missile came out of the tube, went through the... The bay, the personnel bay of one helicopter, threaded the needle and hit the other one.
1: Nice. Now, like, isn't there, if I remember correctly, in third edition, like, one of the hardest things to get is a Barrett sniper rifle, and it's like an 18 target number, I want to say.
0: Uh, for the availability? Yeah. Something yeah. like that.
1: So. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, that is very amazing, of course, back in 3rd Edition. Which, yeah, there were some really interesting th- things about Shadowrun 3rd Edition. Maybe sometime we should do an Edition Wars uh, show about Shadowrun. But I-, I always remember how, like, the shotguns were king back in those days. A burst firing shotgun. Oh my god! Third edition. Wow, oh. those things were nasty. Thankfully,
0: thankfully, my players never picked up on that. But <laughs> the only the only thing the only thing worse than those is something Spoony went over in his very first Counter Monkey, which was the DMSO and the various the nasty guns. shit you could do with that. Yeah, exactly. the squirt gun. Wars. The squirt gun war.
1: Yeah, and they're still nasty. Um, yep. So, all right, let's let me give a, a, an example of of something very memorable. I was playing um, one of my first Savage Worlds games with Clint Black, uh, who is the line developer for Pinnacle. So I picked a good time to start, you know, learning more about Savage Worlds. This was at Genghis Khan a couple of years ago. So I was in Aurora, Colorado with the Denver Gamers Association. And Clint was running us through a game uh, that helped inspire Cursed it, actually, because it was like the creature commandos. We were all different types of monsters in World War II fighting Nazis. Um, and I was playing the werewolf. And I spent, like, most of the game in human form because I was a doctor. I was just make sure everybody was still up and running. We get to the big final battle, though, and Dracula is there. And all these Nazi <laughs> bad guys and Dracula. And, 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 he, and, you know, just to be clear, Dracula is just one of all the really awesome bad guys in the room. I said, well, it's time for me to wolf out and attack Dracula. You know, Clint's like, all right, so, you know, let's see what you get. Well, in in Savage Worlds, uh, you, you have dice that explode as well. And I had one of those times where I just rolled and kept on rolling. And I remember my damage total was something like 42 off of, <laughs> off of a D10, a D6 and a D4, I think. Um, that's an awful lot of rerolls. And I was just like, wow, 42 damage. And the, you know Clint like consults his book and looks at us, consults his book, and looks at us, spends all his Bennie's, rolls some dice, looks at us, He goes, well, yeah, yeah I, I tried to soak as hard as I could, and you still killed the hell out of me. <laughs> so, yeah, you just ripped Dracula's heart out of his chest. I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment.
0: But you know the movie, so he's going to come back anyway.
1: Well, Dracula being Dracula. But uh, yeah. it was a great game, and you know that's one of the things I just love about Savage Worlds is there's there's moments... Well, I love this about any game with exploding dice, honestly. There's moments where you get like the whole table involved in that random role, and everybody's just watching breathlessly to see how high that number can go you know what it's i mean like edge
0: of the chair or yeah. like they'll actually stand up and lean over the table mm-hmm. to watch that next die to see if yeah. it's another exploding one
1: yeah those are moments i think are great and that's one of the reasons why i really really love dice and one of the reasons honestly why i've kind of avoided um, diceless game systems but uh there you go so let's talk about alignment
0: alignment goes back to the origins of role playing games in terms of the original dungeons and dragons had a three step alignment. There was law, neutral, and chaos. Dwarves were law, chaos was elves, and humans could be anything.
1: No, no, actually I think this was um at least from from my um understanding. And this was the red box when I saw these. Okay. No, I'm,
0: I'm talking about the the seventy four box set.
1: Okay, you're talking about the white box.
0: Yes, ah, okay. the red box is when they the red box, the 77 printing was the very first time they had the good evil law chaos axis. No, that's not. So true. You had the nine ste- no, it's not.
1: No, 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 no. And the red oh. box I had was actually very similar to this, but it was called lawful, neutral and chaotic. And they roughly corresponded to good, neutral and evil in that the main villain of the red box was Bargle, and Bargle was chaotic. And they explained that that meant, you know, he was basically evil and Alana was lawful. The thing was, is though, I think they, they couched it in terms that even even my young mind, which I was like seven or eight years old, even my young mind could actually capture that this was not a typical view of good guys and bad guys, that this was actually taking a slightly more, you know, cosmetist approach where the idea of like law and chaos as forces were something I hadn't even thought of before that point. And that's kind of the thing, one of the things I really liked about that alignment system is that it, it got me thinking in larger terms than just white hats and black hats.
0: Yeah. And one thing I want to point out, I did double check my source on that, and you are correct. In the original sets, it was lawful, neutral, and chaotic, not law and chaos. But yeah, pretty mu- that's pretty much exactly what it was. It was law m- didn't necessarily mean good, and chaos didn't necessarily mean evil, because again, the elves, who if you remember any of the early editions of D&Ds, the elves were so overpowered... It was kind of nuts, and they were kind of Gygax's little baby race, I think. He kind of took those on, and that's why they were so insanely good at everything. But chaos didn't necessarily mean evil. It could also mean something like personal freedom or the will to be able to do whatever you want as opposed to having to follow strict
1: structure. Right, and yeah, it's it's, it's, it's interesting because alignment, I mean, like if, if we were to ask the question, like what is alignment, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a good place to start. I would define it as it's a, an attempt to codify, basically your uh, your attitudes. Outlook. Well, I was, I was say your attitudes and your outlook, mm-hmm. and your moral center, because I think those two things are are kind of intertwined when it comes to like just just specifically how alignment deals with that. Because when you say someone's lawful good, you're talking you're talking about their attitudes as well as their moral center. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It's a lot, lot more philosophy in a lot of ways than it is an actual game mechanic, and it's trying to take those, that philosophy, and break it into something that can be used in a game.
1: Well, some sometimes alignments do have game mechanics, and sometimes they don't, um, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Now, you you were saying, you know, in the basic set we had the two-axis system, which was just law and chaos, right? Mm-hmm. And then later on, that got to the. Uh, the second edition or Advanced Ninja Dragons, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, where they broke it down to actually nine different alignments, where there was a good and evil axis and a law and chaos axis. So you could have three flavors of good, three flavors of evil, three flavors of neutral, and it just depended on whether you were lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good, that kind of thing for all three for all three yeah. uh, branches. Of that
0: that was the uh, classic two-axis system, right?
1: Now, now did this evolve even further? I, I'm actually not familiar with anything past uh, 3.5 stars alignment.
0: So 4th uh, edition actually streamlined it a little bit. It got a little weird. And to be honest, I thought it was one of the weaker parts of 4th edition in general. It, it was kind of a good thing the way they tried to, because 3rd edition took a lot, especially 1st and 2nd, but 3rd as well, took a lot of alignment as, you know, wrote. So you had things like a spell, protection from good, protection from evil, protection from law, protection from chaos, that gave you bonuses based on the alignment of whatever was attacking you or you were attacking. And 4th Edition tried to kind of move away from that in a way, so they streamlined the system into uh, I believe it was just five.
1: Yeah, Lawful Good, Good, Unaligned, Evil, and Chaotic Evil.
0: Yep. And I think that did a great disservice to the alignment system because it took away a lot of the nuance to it, in my opinion.
1: Well, I mean, when we talk about alignment, though, we're not just talking about Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. There are There are other types of alignment out there, and I I do want to get back to the whole like you know why mechanics work differently with uh, with alignments, especially with regards to D anD D. But why don't we look a little bit outside D anD D for now and talk about alignment and and some of the other games um, out there? Now, honestly, there aren't that many. When I was preparing for this episode, I was I was trying to think and look through (laughs) my collection and kind of figure out like games that had an alignment system, and they're just I, I honestly had a very short list.
0: Yeah, I even, I even broadened out my definition to any sort of game mechanic that tries to reflect morality and general philosophy. And the only one that really popped into my head that I have experience with is the humanity system in Vampire the Masquerade.
1: Well, yeah, and, and of course, with that specifically, that is mm-hmm. definitely not about your attitude. It's more about your morality. Exactly. Your nature and demeanor were more about your attitude and beliefs. You know, that was really, that's where that side of the coin went to. But there wasn't, a, there weren't an awful lot of mechanics, if I remember correctly, with nature and demeanor. Whereas humanity, Na- there was quite a few.
0: Well, uh, nature and demeanor, you could spend that to get, uh, if you did something that was true to your nature or true to your demeanor, you could get back uh, some expendable resources in game. Willpower. Say like willpower. Yeah. Yeah. Think depending on what you did, you might be able to earn back a humanity point if you'd spent it for something. Or I, I'm probably misremembering that rule, but I know willpower was one of
1: them. I don't. I don't know if you spent humanity. I think you could lose it, but I didn't know if you spent it.
0: You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong.
1: There was also, of course, um, the famous one of uh, the Star Wars role playing game with the idea of light side points and dark side points. Um, although this were this was kind of a kind of a weird hybrid of alignment and a boost mechanic. Or the boost resource, I should say. The boost resource was to spend these points, the, the force points, you know, to do awesome things. Um, but mm-hmm. you could earn dark side points for doing dark side things in the dark side morality. Kind of, it was, it was, a, it was still a measurement of your morality.
0: Yeah, and that even carried over to the D twenty game as well, where they still had dark side points in that too. But the dark side points in that weren't. Basically, the more dark side points you got, the more dark side you became. And if you felt you had to make checks every once in a while to see if you just completely fell to the dark side, which was a kind of a bad thing to have happen to your character in that game. Because it was again, I'm trying to remember about 15 years ago, the two or three sessions of this I played, but I'm not mistaken. There was like it was similar to, okay, you're an NPC now sort of thing.
1: I'm not familiar super familiar with that edition either. So if there's listeners out there who want to correct us and let us know what, what it actually is, don't hesitate to, to make a note in our, uh, our forums or give us a review on iTunes or, uh, go to Facebook even and just post and say, Hey, you guys, this is how it really supposed to be. Cause uh, we do check those things.
0: Yeah. I, I check those quite often and I'm trying to think back through the, like it was literally 15 years ago. I want to say
1: one of the points we're making though is alignment is kind of an older mechanic. It's, Uh, you know, I hesitate to use the term classic here, but but it is, I mean, it certainly is classic, but it, it it also to me feels kind of old in terms of like, you know, most games these days that I know of don't really have alignment in them. It seems to be something we've kind of left by the wayside in terms of game design for role playing games. I'm not going to comment on whether I think that's good or bad. I just, that's something I I think has happened. That's all I'm pointing out.
0: I think it's more along the lines to allow more, and this is something we're going to get into a little bit more later on. But a lot of the interpretations of the alignment system, a lot of DMs and a lot of the way some of the rules were written were kind of rigid about what yeah. an alignment was. And systems that didn't actually have one left the morality more up to your character and your characterization and how you played your character rather than uh, any sort of rules mechanics behind
1: it. Right. Well, OK, let's um just, just explore some other really quick things. Uh Forms of morality in old games, um, in in RPGs, I should say. I mean, now there are there are some things like like some more modern games like Mouse Guard that have idea, you know, the ideas of your character's beliefs and their goals and things like that, which are sort of tangentially related, but they're not really. I don't really consider those alignments. One that was again a little bit borderline, but I think does count is that we did discuss this in our superhero episode. We talked about the uh, Marvel superheroes game from tsr
0: yeah marvel superhero uh role play specifically the face rip
1: one it's it's just called marvel superheroes is the name of the game oh marvel
0: super okay um yeah marvel,
1: uh, marvel heroic Roleplay is the new one
0: and then marvel superhero role uh, i
1: there's been a lot of marvel superhero games dude <laughs> they're, <laughs> honestly they're we, really we, yeah.
0: got, we covered four of them on our episode on superheroes so yeah that that was this is something that was actually new to me cuz I hadn't heard about this thing but it sounded really cool and really in character for the system and the tone of the game they were trying to go for.
1: Yeah, it's called karma and it was it's it, okay, this it commits one of the things I consider to be like a cardinal sin in game design. It's both an XP and a boost resource, which I hate. I hate <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. We were not supposed to have any hate on this game on this this show. I apologize for breaking that rule a little <laughs> bit. Daryl Daryl's free to 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 you know assign punishments as seats sit, but I <laughs> I, uh, I just really I'm very disappointed by the idea that my XP is also my my boost resource because well that's that's a different topic. Um, but karma was awarded to you for doing heroic things and it sort of penalized you for doing unheroic things. And what they were trying to do, I think, is they were really trying to... Um, and this is Jeff Grubb, who's a designer um, who created this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think he was really going for there is he was trying to give people an idea who may not have been big comic book readers, the sort of Silver Age, Early Bronze Age mentality of comic books, of, of superheroes, of what a superhero was supposed to be doing. Because at the time this game came out, it was all like... It was all dungeon crawling and, and you know, running around killing people because you want to take their stuff.
0: Are they the infamous murder hobo threes. Yeah. So
1: I, so I think, you know, he may have had a point in wanting to, like, really, you know, drive home the idea that you were supposed to be a hero. And they made a point of this that if uh, that the Punisher and Wolverine, because they did things unheroically, they killed people and, you know, weren't really, you know, crime busters. They were they were a different type of hero. Uh, that was something that they basically walked around with zero karma all the time. <laughs> they made a point of that, <laughs> and they had an idea of this uh, team karma system, so that the whole team would lose karma if one of your guys was acting like. I consider it to be a little on the heavy-handed side, but I think it's forgivable.
0: They were they were going for a tone, and they were trying something new that hadn't been done in gaming before. So I, I'll cut them a lot of slack on that
1: one. Well, I'm not going to say it was. A, it's, it's certainly not the first superhero role playing game. Um, I'm not trying to say that, and we covered all of that stuff again yeah. in our superhero episode. But uh, yeah, let, let's let's move on because we've talked about what their their alignment hmm. was. And you you've never played a Palladium game, have you?
0: Uh, I've read through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book once when I was a kid, and that was it. I think I made a character, and that, but I never actually played.
1: Well, so in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and actually all of the Palladium RPGs, um, they have a alignment system that is very extremely similar to the AD and D. Uh, version. Now they call theirs uh, the, the good alignments are principled and scrupulous. They have what are called selfish alignments, which are unprincipled and anarchist. And they have evil alignments, which are aberrant and miscreants And diabolic. They have three evils. They have two selfishes and two goods. But there's no such thing as like neutral. I mean, the closest thing is, and they make a big deal out of it, that there's no neutral alignment. Um, the selfish alignments are Basically neutral. I mean, (laughs) uh, they do a good one thing I do like about these is they do have like a a 13 or 14 step list of things that your character will do if you have this alignment. And I like that because it gives you an idea of what those alignments really mean. But at the same time, it also feels very rigid in the implementation. Um, But some of these things that they say your character will do are actually pretty hilarious. One of my favorites is under um, one of the evil alignments where it says, uh, oh, you will most certainly lie and cheat to your friends. After all, you can always find friends. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. For some reason, I just thought that was great. So, you know, it, it's very similar to the, uh, the D&D alignments. But However, um, the one big dis- distinction, I think, is that there is, as far as I'm aware, no real mechanical repercussions besides some strange skills you can't take. If you have the right morality and I actually it it bothers me on on that level, though, too, because like one of the best hand to hand fighting systems in the game in in any of the games, honestly, is the assassin hand to hand skill, which you can only take if your character is evil. Hmm. And I'm like, really? I mean, I I can't even be the 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 formerly evil guy who is now, (laughs) you know. Now a good guy, I have to start out evil, and you know it's it's weird, it's just strange some of the decisions in there. But that's that's what brought up some of the issues we're going to cover later about you know the idea of of how to implement that.
0: I actually found a website, uh, the Wikipedia article on alignment in role playing game systems, and they have a bunch of others in here. But a lot of them I don't really consider alignment systems. They've got GURPS in here, but all it talks about are the uh, mental disadvantages. Really? That's not really
1: a no. system. That's something completely different. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I consider it different, definitely. And
0: they talk about Unknown Armies and Passions. I don't really know much about that game, so I'm not sure exactly what those are. But it sounds kind of similar to, like, Advantages and Disadvantages, the way it's being described. Do you know anything about Unknown Armies?
1: I've never played it. Uh, I've only kind of glanced at it.
0: The only other one that I think of that we that we might know anything about is they talk about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay.
1: Yeah, that's, they're Which talking about the five-step
0: linear system. Not Warhammer 40K. This is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. And they're talking about
1: game. the original, original, the back in the 80s. It, it hasn't been like that for quite a while. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah, but it was originally law, good, neutral, evil, chaotic, and you could move along the linear path, but you couldn't you couldn't go from neutral to chaotic. You had to go to neutral to evil to chaotic.
1: I, I believe they're talking about the 1986 version. Um, everything from 2005 later i it does not have that
0: okay and to be honest i don't know i've never played warhammer fantasy roleplay and this wikipedia article does not cite sources so i'm gonna be going in adding my citation needed quotes a little (laughs) bit later
1: (laughs) someone is wrong on the internet (laughs) Uh,
0: (sighs) i'm not getting any sleep tonight
1: (laughs) all right so um do do we want to kind of briefly cover like what what those nine classic alignments are?
0: I don't know if there's actually briefly covering the alignment system because anytime, in my experience, anytime you bring up that, oh, it's everyone, an argument. It's a everyone, everyone has seen that image macro that goes around the nine squares, and then you put your favorite genre characters in each one to describe their alignment. You put a quote underneath their picture, and then the. 250 comment facebook thread fight breaks out yeah picard is not neutral good is, eh, eh, eh.
1: well let's yeah. uh let's talk about what we think they are how about that i mean we, we, with the caveat that we are only saying for our own personal beliefs and not trying to say it's this way for every group every game exactly
0: same thing as addition wars alignment wars are a little bit more focused but <laughs> just as bad and they're just as bullshit
1: so what's your definition of lawful good
0: Lawful good is, in my opinion, the archetypical knight in shining armor. He is always focused on obey the rules, be the good guy, never do evil, never break the law. Now, it is also known in many circles as lawful stupid. I don't agree with that interpretation. A lot of people do play lawful good characters in that manner, especially paladins, uh, for a long time. And for me, I would love to play a lawful good character in a d20 based role-playing game system again for the challenge of it because and i i know you've seen winter soldier by now oh yeah i i just watched it a couple of days ago and i think that was a very there are two classic lawful good characters in comic books in my opinion superman and captain america
1: yeah i you know i would generally agree with that yeah
0: and there are interpretations of the character that will vary, and that's why those charts cause so many arguments, especially with comic book characters, because right. it can vary depending on the writer. Absolutely. I mean, look at Batman. They have, they have an alignment chart just for Batman that shows different styles of Batman for each one. But yeah. for me, lawful, lawful Good is the Boy Scout. He is the good guy. And I think the good dramatic tension comes from... When you have a character like that balancing the lawful versus the good, do they do the right thing even if it means breaking the law or do they follow, do they obey the law and possibly do a bad thing?
1: Well, that's an interesting point. Like for me I always considered the good evil axis to be the most like for me that was the, the that was the most compelling part. Was like, you know, I I always saw like that first the 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 law the law chaos was a if possible you know, this is sort of a preference as opposed to a mandate. Where I saw, whereas I saw the good, neutral, and evil as, as more or less a mandate. Like this is my land, this is my line in the sand, and I'm not crossing that. For me, like lawful good, and and this actually goes for any character with lawful as a as a mm-hmm. thing in front of it. I always saw that as as it means that you have a code. There's a code of conduct. You have a you have basically a set of rules, right? That you you will try not to break. I always saw that as having like a respect for authority. If you're lawful good, I think what that means is that you will always attempt to work within the system or within the law. That doesn't mean slavish devotion to it, right? Like, well, I, there's, I can, I'm sorry, I can't rescue you, princess. It's, it's illegal. <laughs> you know, that, that, I, I don't think that would fly. But I, I always see, I always see like a lawful good guy as he's sincere. He's uh, you know got a high regard for people's lives and well-being but in the end it always comes down to the idea that you know he he prefers things to be orderly if possible
0: mm-hmm. and that's the way it's been interpreted in a lot of cases that's why uh for the long I, i'm not sure if this is still the case anymore but for the longest time you had to be some flavor of lawful to be a monk and that and that was all about the inner discipline that you had to have to maintain right. your training to keep these sort of powers
1: you have to be lawful good to be a paladin at least you did i think uh up until maybe pathfinder
0: uh, I don't. I can't say for Pathfinder one way or the other because I can't remember because no one ever wanted to play a paladin when I ran Pathfinder, so I never looked it up really. But I, I do know that you do not in fourth edition.
1: So it's yeah. So there's always been kind of a thing about lawful good as it kind of represented like the highest ideals because it was attached to things like the the cavalier and the paladin and things like that, that nature. Um. So what about neutral good?
0: Neutral good is that is just pure good and light. That is, I don't care about. Your what your silly laws say. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what, and it's not. I'm going to do the right thing. This is where I, a lot of the lines get blurred between true neutral good and you know uh, chaotic good. Is that to me neutral good is I'm going to do the right thing. I may I I may or may not have to break a law to do it, but the right thing is the right thing to do. Period.
1: Yeah, I mean I, to me neutral good is kind of like the fuzziest. For me it's, it's honestly, it's like the, one of the fuzziest alignments as far as like how do I define this? <laughs> I certainly agree with you that a neutral good character puts good it puts the ideals of, of good over evil you know uh, as in, in almost every respect. Mm-hmm. But it's weird it's like for me, I always whenever I think of a neutral good character, I think of trying to define them by what they're not. Well, they're not <laughs> super lawful. Well, they're not super chaotic. you know they're, It's hard for me to think of like a, what a neutral good character is besides those things. I mean, I, I know he's good, right? I know he's probably going to work within the law if he can, but I mean, you know, with less respect for it, obviously, then, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe just, maybe that's, that's what it boils down to is he just holds up that ideal of good more, you know, uber alles, maybe. And it
0: could also represent someone who is good and pure at heart, but may not care about, you know, the organization, the neat and tidy.
1: Well, it could, you know, it could also be a, about balance. You know, I, I, it's it's neutral is often like a seen as a, as a balancing thing, you know, where you understand, you know, you understand where law and chaos, you know, meet and, and, and when to, you know, move those goalposts a little bit. So maybe a neutral character is, is really about justice. Hmm. Just saying.
0: Not not entirely sure. I agree, but I definitely see where you're coming from on that one. And, yeah, and that's, I'm a, not, that's a good
1: yeah. um, I, It's one of those things
0: I'd have to sit and, huh, I've never thought of it that way before. So.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, one thing that's great about this uh, particular topic is making me think about things differently, too. I, You know, sometimes you take it for granted if it's been with you for a long time, and alignment's been with me for a really long time.
0: And I will say this. It is very, very hard to define alignments without just saying, oh, this character, this character, this character, this character, (laughs) this character.
1: What about chaotic good?
0: (laughs) Chaotic good, that's the hardest one to define without naming a character. Yeah, uh, because there's
1: a classic example. (laughs) Robin Hood. Still from uh, yeah. the
0: rich to give to the poor. That's the cl- that's the classic example. For me, It's that's kind of the way I always look at it. They are the swashbucklers, the bon vivants. It is, I'm going to do my own thing, but my thing's going to be the right thing. I am not going to do an evil act. I will fight evil to my dying breath, but I have no respect whatsoever for authority.
1: Well, you know, I look at it as they're willing to lie and cheat if it means getting to the good. You know, maybe these are these are the guys I always saw as like the champions of personal freedom and the ideas... You know, kind of like the you know the American colonists, if you will. They were like, you know, monarchies are great, but what would be better is if every man had a <laughs> say. <laughs> uh, I did play a character who was chaotic good for a really, really, really long time, and, and it was actually important to that character to be chaotic good. A lot of characters I make, I don't the alignment doesn't really matter. It's just kind of a, a placeholder for various magical effects. Um, but w- <laughs> but with this character, it was really important for her because. She was a champion of personal freedom, and and like one of her things later on became like actively seeking out and fighting uh, slavery because it was offensive to her. And you know, I and so I like you know I think there's times when alignment can really kind of bond you with the character, and and for for me, chaotic good was the one I did the most of that on.
0: And I got to say, almost all of my favorite characters in fiction tend to run along the chaotic good lines. When it comes to how and that's why this one's a really hard one for me not to just sit off here and name off Malcolm Reynolds, Harry Dresden, um, Han Solo. All these exactly fighting on the side of good, but screw your rules. I'm gonna do the right thing no matter what. I want to live my life the way I want to live it, and the way I want to live it is by righting wrongs. Sure.
1: What about um so we've we've gone over the goods, let's talk about the neutrals. Um, lawful neutral.
0: Lawful neutral and chaotic neutral are very, very easy for me to define. True neutral is damn near impossible without saying the E-word. But uh, lawful neutral is, like we discussed on the uh, comic book episode, Judge Dread. And again, I keep naming damn characters instead of coming up with an actual <laughs> definition. Uh, uh, uh. They are... <clears throat> lawful neutral is law and order is first and foremost. Good and evil are an afterthought after order. They would rather respect a bad law than to fight it by doing something wrong. Or for them, it's all about order. And for me, I always love using lawful good for uh, lawful neutral actually for bad guys in games because you can make them sympathetic characters that way because they are, it's all about law and order, but they're doing things that sure they're not outright slaughtering millions or anything but some of their things they're doing aren't quite that good
1: that's an interesting take on it I have always seen lawful neutral as guys who are committed like I said it's about that code I, I feel like again I like, like the lawful good guy he puts he puts like good over his code but his code is still really important for the lawful neutral guy I feel like he in my opinion this is for me where the guy puts his code of, of honor or his code of ethics he puts that above everything else so in, in a way, it's kind of like you're saying is that, you know, for him, it's, you know, the rules are what's the most important thing. But I think, you know, a lawful neutral guy could be, you know, maybe I make the rules, maybe you make the rules, whatever they are. But these rules are important because, you know, that, that's what, how I feel that those guys are. They're committed to order. So, the, yeah, then we do get to the one of the hardest to define, uh, true neutral.
0: And my editor, Anical News, one time a couple of years ago when we were talking gave me a challenge that I could not meet which was name a human or human-like character from any fiction that's true neutral. You're know, not allowed to say ints.
1: <laughs> there is a character that I ran into um, during my early years as an anime fan that I think is very, very close and is probably the best example I can think of for true neutral. It's a character called Carla from the Record of Lotus War series.
0: Uh, never finished watching that.
1: And the idea of of Carla is that she had been, he or she, I think it was a she, had been a uh, she. She was part of like a civilization that had destroyed itself in the past. It was a very powerful magic based civilization, and she had survived by putting her consciousness into a circlet, and she would possess people that picked up the circlet. And so the core conflict that's going on in the uh, Record or Lotus War. Uh, anime is these two nations are fighting and one is clearly evil and one is clearly good, right? I mean, it's your classic, it's your classic, you know, minus Tirith, uh, you know, battle against Sauron kind of thing. And then Carla comes in and Carla's like, listen, big, Battles between extreme ethos is what caused the downfall of the greatest civilization in the world. You don't know you guys don't even know about it because I'm the last remnant of that <laughs> civilization. So I'm going to I'm going to kill both leaders and make sure that and make sure that this war cannot happen. So she kills the good guy leader, then she kills the bad guy leader. And she's like, I would rather I would rather have occasional flare-ups that I crush like a, a boot on a cigarette than let people gain power and build up to that that world destroying conflicts again and to me that i was like you know that's pretty balanced maybe unbalanced in some ways but she's got a balanced (laughs) outlook i always consider that to be a true neutral character
0: and the the only way i've ever been able to actually figure out a way to play any sort of true neutral character is to go for that balance aspect of Ultimate power corrupts no matter who you are, and ultimate lawful versus ultimate chaos, neither one is the right answer. You have to have organization, plus you have to have personal freedom. Good and evil, what is good if there is no evil? What is evil if there is no good? And it's someone trying to maintain that balance between all the forces. That's the only way I've been able to wrap my head around true neutral, because it's such a a foreign concept to me. And I think.
1: surprisingly, um, in Dungeons & Dragons 3.0, 3.5, and Pathfinder, this is the most mechanically advantageous decision you can make. Uh, because if you're true neutral, anything that smites good or evil has a lesser effect on you, or sometimes no effect. Anything that smites lawful or chaotic has a reduced effect on you, and sometimes mm-hmm. no effect. Mm-hmm. So you are literally protecting yourself the most if you choose of true neutral (laughs) Uh, which is kind of funny I just thought that was interesting alright now we go to chaotic neutral
0: Uh, chaotic neutral in my opinion this one causes more arguments than I have ever seen is the difference between chaotic neutral and chaotic evil because the two can look very very similar chaotic evil I mean chaotic neutral to me it's all about bringing randomness and chaos and smashing order order is boring chaos is fun anarchist exactly they don't go around you know slaughtering this is i uh, gotta name a character loki well and many interpretations yeah. and this is again questionable because there's so many different interpretations of the character but the trickster archetype yeah trickster archetype say, is a good way to put it is uh loki coyote uh fox depending on native american japanese most cultures have some sort of trickster archetype and they are all about chaotic it's all about playing jokes sometimes they're harmful sometimes they're not sometimes they're innocent sometimes they're fighting up for the good guys sometimes they'll throw and throw an apple to the middle of an argument saying the most fair gets this just to upset the balance because fun
1: yeah i've also seen and this is kind of the thing but i've it always makes me raise an eyebrow when someone comes to the table with the characters chaotic neutral Simply because a lot of games in my early career as a gamer, I saw people use this as sort of an excuse to just do whatever they wanted,
0: and that is that is the reason why chaotic neutral gets a bad rap. Is it's the someone shows up with a chaotic neutral character, it's like a big red warning sign. I'm going to disrupt the
1: entire session. Yeah, it's all it's almost worse than being evil in some cases. <laughs> uh, speaking of evil, uh, let's talk about lawful evil. Lawful evil is
0: the classic overlord. That is law. Order under my boot. Yeah, I see that. I write, yeah. I rule you. You do as I say.
1: Yeah, it, it's kind of the more selfish version for me. It's that more selfish version of, of lawful neutral, where it's you know your code is important, but your code is important because it enriches you. That's that's why I, I that's where I see like the lawful evil guy is. He's like, yeah, I follow the rules, but I make the rules because yeah, because I make the rules, you know. Then there's uh, you know, not much to say about Lawful Evil. I think a lot of my favorite bad guys are Lawful Evil. Uh, or yep, I feel they, like they are. Let's put it that way.
0: Because, it, again, it gives them a conflict that you, as human nature, we do kind of respect orderly things. But at the same time, at what price? And Lawful Evil is the far extreme of the price of that order.
1: I've often also seen Lawful Evil as, like, the most likely to work with heroes type of character. To name a person from... The fiction you know dr doom lord Soth, guys like that uh yeah they're probably going to team up with the heroes at some point just because there are certain things that their code will not abide
0: this suits my agendas this suits my plans uh we have a common foe and yeah. that this person's going to upset my order so i will work with you
1: typically you can trust a lawful evil guy at least until the goal is to hold his, wo- to, to keep his word to keep his word his
0: word yeah to keep
1: his word yes now, if you, if he, he will probably stick to the letter of to that the word. letter. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I promised you a 15 second head start. 14. Yeah. 13. Yeah. Better run.
1: And then there's neutral evil.
0: This is, in my opinion, the classic evil, evil. It's, it doesn't respect personal liberty. It doesn't respect order. It doesn't care. This is to me, we talk a lot about the, the mindless. Because I'm, I'm a big fan of the sympathetic protagonist, where even if you don't sympathetic antagonist, where even if you don't agree with what they're doing or they're obviously the bad guy, you can at least see why they think they're doing what they're doing. And the counter to that is always just the mindless threat. That to me is neutral evil. They want to spread evil, badness everywhere, and whether it ends up in anarchy or whether it ends up in evil empire don't care i just want pain and suffering across the land because that's what i want and that's what i need and that's always been the most foreign to me in terms of at least human
1: yeah alien's a good way to put it i don't really understand like i said i don't really understand neutral good very well although i think i put something out there that might make sense you know new, same thing with neutral evil. It's for me it's the fuzziest and hardest one to like wrap my brain around um because yeah it's a little it's alien to me a little bit it, they certainly value evil we know that Beyond that though, you know, maybe they maybe it's about balance, maybe it's not, maybe they don't care. Like you said, it's yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that for, for me it's hard really to to break it down and explain what neutral evil means to somebody.
0: The gaming example that and, and the reason why I keep na- going back to naming characters and naming races and stuff like that's because it's such an easy shorthand especially in our culture because I can sit here and say if I say Darth Vader, you know exactly who I'm talking about, exactly his personality, but not neutral evil. Neutral evil to me is actually uh, the horrors from Earth Dawn.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's danger. Let's let's be clear. There is danger in trying to tell people like uh, uh to use a character just because. Again, you know, like you know, is there? Is there, are we talking about prequel Darth Vader? No, we're talking about Holy Trinity no. Darth Vader. You know,
0: <laughs> pre redemption, post black armor Darth Vader. Is what I'm talking about. And him, I would actually put him lawful evil. Well, which I would, and in my opinion, I would put him as. Uh, lawful neutral towards around attack of the clones
1: well like i said it's it, i just want to make it clear it's one of those things that's a little weird yeah that,
0: that's my opinion and again no flame wars that's my opinion you have yours and you're welcome
1: to it i didn't want to do this podcast anyway whoa <laughs> <laughs> all
0: and right you're welcome to it and i may i'm may actually saying okay that's a good point i didn't think of that so that's that's what's happened a lot in talking about these it's like oh i've never thought about it that way ross
1: and then there's chaotic evil and this is the classic go to for, you know, a bad guy who's not particularly complex, in my opinion,
0: for the evil for the evil yeah. to use the for chan Anonymous. It is purely I'm going to blow everything up and everyone's going to run screaming and then I'm going to shoot the ones that are running screaming, except for some of them, because I'm going to let them live and tell everyone else because everyone else is going to freak out. And then I'm going to go kill them. You could you could look
1: at this as almost a whimsical evil, maybe the Joker you know, a good that example. has been the
0: quintessential example every single time it ever gets brought up yeah. is the Joker is chaotic evil. And the only time – and this is why I always hear the argument break out between chaotic evil and chaotic neutral is a lot of people make arguments that the Joker is chaotic neutral – and some of their arguments is like okay i can see that
1: point wow of you would have a hard time convincing me that the joker is not evil like period yeah <laughs> that's just it's me. like
0: i can i completely don't agree with you but i see where you're coming from is how it comes <laughs> off to me but yeah he's the quintessential and like i said some interpretations of loki is chaotic evil he is sure the being of chaos and he has done some very evil things <laughs> uh but yeah it's chaotic evil is just the flat out wearing a sign over your head i'm the bad guy style of evil and they can be a lot of fun as a gym to play in my opinion but that that sort of alignment just really quite isn't it doesn't have as much depth to it because there's not much story you can get out of it aside from what they do
1: well uh, you know alignment as a story tool i mean we'll get into that in just a minute i think really but you're right you're right in that i think chaotic evil tends to be used for the not very complex villains let's just put it that way Mm mm-hmm
0: Did you think the Spirit Store was only open during Halloween? Well, I've got some news for you. The perfect place for that hard-to-find accessory for your newest cosplay, unique home decor for your LARP, that awesome prop for your D&D game. They've got it all. Whether you're on a budget or you're looking for the highest quality product you can find, Spirit has what you need. Just go to the show notes or to GamersTavern.org and click on the affiliate link to support the show and find that perfect item now.
1: And we're back with episode 28, we're talking about alignment. And we just kind of got done sort of going through what the typical nine axis of alignment is, in, uh, especially mm-hmm. as regards to D&D. And we talked about sort of the history of alignment in role-playing games. Let's get into the implementation of alignment, the the, how it works in the game.
0: And in my opinion, one of the reasons why the alignment system gets a lot of flack is because, and I don't know if all groups were like this, but it seems like there were a lot that were. The DMs would use alignment as kind of a way against the players, as a way of kind of controlling their actions or forcing them into that little box where it's like, you wouldn't act like that, you're chaotic, good.
1: It's about how you look at it, right? Cause, because your interpretation, that was the word I was looking for, your interpretation of lawful oh. good and my interpretation of lawful good. They were similar, but they were different. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think some people ran into trouble with alignments is there. The GMs, uh, especially back in the day, it was, it was, uh, there were very few GMs who had a good grasp on communicating their interpretations to the players. So you'd have people sit down at the same table and they were both playing what they thought was lawful good but the gm would be no 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 that's not how i see it and he and the book would then tell you to penalize people for for not playing to their alignment right yep so the gm sort of thought it was his job to enforce his particular view of what those alignments meant
0: and i think that's one of the failings of the alignment system is the way it was implemented in ad and i want to say it was only second edition they had this i don't know first edition did where if you slipped alignment you got like negative levels oh no there yeah there was all kinds stuff, of penalties it was, yeah it was it was bad changing alignment was bad and it was a threat that the gms used and because it was a rule in the book and dm's job is to adjudicate the rules i feel like a lot of DMs got it in their head that this is something they should be doing and In my opinion, the, the problem comes down to is alignment proscriptive or descriptive? Is it something that is, this is what you are and this is how you should act? Or is it something this describes how your character acts? And sure, you're going to act out of character every once in a while because of events surrounding you.
1: Well, before I talk about what it should be, I think I'm going to talk about like what I think it was. And I, you make, you make a really good point about like, you know, that it was very rigid. And because of the way the rules were set up, it certainly rubbed me the wrong way for a long time that alignments felt very restrictive because it, it felt like the game and the, and the designers of the game were telling me I had to fit inside a box. And there exactly. wasn't, there didn't feel like there was a lot of room to just be whatever character I wanted to be. I had to sort of, I had to find a way to fit in that box, you know? And I, I had some real trouble with that from time to time. There was a character I made um, back in the 90s. I was really falling in love with the Forgotten Realms, and I wanted to play a priest of Malar. And Malar is this—he is totally an evil god, man. He is—he is the evil god of the hunt all right, in in Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's actually really cool, or at least I thought he was in the nineties. Um, <laughs> Malar's, Malar's changed. Well, we had a—we have a whole episode about the Forgotten Realms and how it's changed over time. But um, yep. back in the nineties, I thought Malar was pretty badass, and I wanted to make a priest of of Malar. And you know, I had to sort of. Negotiate with the GM because he says, Well, (laughs) Mailar's an evil god. There's no way you could have a a non evil priest. And I'm like, Well, why couldn't you? I mean, he's, it's just, you know, it's just a question of doctrine. It's a question of interpretation, right? I mean, you know, hunting isn't like intrinsically evil. It's just hunting, right? And and so I, you know, I kind of, because the way the rules got a little more flexible um, in the 90s, you were able to play like one step alignment different than the god you were worshiping.
0: So if he was, say, neutral evil, you could play true neutral,
1: uh, yes. for example.
0: I, I don't know if that was the alignment of that guy. I don't, can't remember if he was. I don't, I don't remember his
1: alignment or, either. But yeah, one step off yeah. was, was something I could play where it wasn't like I wasn't just the, the worst douchebag in the world, right? <laughs> or at least I didn't feel that way. So I played that dude for quite a while, and I really enjoyed him. But but yeah, I, I remember every time I picked up that character sheet, I would always steal, you know, sort of steal myself for that. Discussion with the game master where I'm like, I don't think we're seeing eye to eye on this, you know. (laughs) And how many threads have there been over the years on discussion boards about what lawful good means or what being a paladin means specifically?
0: Oh, yeah, there was a great story. I'm going to link the picture in the show notes, but it showed up on Reddit a while back. And it is, I'm just going to summarize it right now. It was. Basically he was a paladin playing with a bunch of uh as he described it, because this originated on 4chan, uh chaotic neutral herps of uh, various flavors. So they were playing like dark and edgy game. They were trying to uh, they were part of this army that was going to siege a city and Everyone said, "Okay, army, you're ready, ready to go. We're going to go in there and we're going to kill them to the last man. We're going to take their women and slaughter their children. Blah blah blah." And the paladin's like, "No, you're not." He's like, "Yes, we are. Who's going to stop us? You and what army? We've got an army. Where's yours?" And so he turns to his—he's he, in charge of the army. So he turns to the second in command, and he and after all this, he just gets quiet. He turns to the second man and says, "If you kill a man, kill him with the dignity he deserves." Take him face to face if you can. If not, then use as little trickery as you can. Let him know that you that you fought him in single, fair battle, and if you did, none may claim foul play. If you respect him, hold him as he dies and hear his last words, so that you may pass them on to whoever they are for. If you fear him, then check that he is gone and make sure that it is a, that it is a clean kill. And he basically said, kill, kill all the men with dignity. Same thing for the women, same for the children. Kill everyone, no one is to be despoiled. And the party's just like, what? And his response was, it is, you are going to, there's no way I can stop you except to stop you by doing this. I cannot save these people. The least I can do is save them from you by putting them to death. Huh. And that shaped that group right up, apparently, (laughs) and... And the other thing they didn't know was the second command of the army was in, uh, I believe they were playing, I can't remember which edition they said they were playing, but, uh, he was a very high level illusionist. So the illusionary army went into the city and they saw the ransacking. Huh. Several times later, the entire army inside the building who had gotten the illusionary message saying, you guys stay here, stay quiet. We're going to be gone in, we're going to be gone in a couple of days.
1: Huh. So the
0: citywide illusion, and then the entire army from that city raised up and overthrew the evil empire. Huh.
1: (laughs) Clever. It
0: is a it is a great great story. I I hardly recommend reading the whole thing. It is a great recap of what must have been a great campaign. But it was a very very, in my opinion, cool way to interpret lawful good. It's if I can't save them, make sure that they die peacefully.
1: Well, that's I mean we've talked a little bit about like how alignments can be really restrictive and 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 dangerous and it sets up these weird expectations and things like that. But what you just said, that story that actually brings me to the heart of what I love about role playing, which is finding those creative solutions to a problem. Right. Exactly. And I think there's actually kind of, a, you know, it's kind of like the cherry on top is to do it in a way that makes people think more deeply about their character and their alignment. I mean, that's mm-hmm. if I did that in a game where there wasn't any alignment, I would have been happy cuz that was still cool. But yeah. it's it's somehow a little cooler because he did it you, within, within that, the
0: restrictions
1: yeah, that you had. Yeah, it's just like you've, it's, you've it's found a little the, cooler. you
0: found the third option that managed to both A win the challenge that was going on right. and B do it without breaking the rules that you have set for you.
1: Yeah, which is, you know, the thing we all wanted out of Man of Steel, right, was that Mm-hmm. <laughs> for Superman to find that other way, um, but yeah, it's uh, that's a really good that's a really good description of it. And you know, for all the arguments that alignments cause, for all the the, the pain and suffering, and sometimes uh, frustration of having to, you know, deal with people's expectations of what it is, there is I think there is still some value to alignments as an idea right? Like this is what we're talking about, like what they should be. Right. Mm -hmm. I think like as a shorthand, especially when you're just learning how to role play, like as a shorthand of what a character is or is like, or if you want to look at a monster manual and just get a real easy idea of like what that monster is like, I think Mm -hmm. that's a pretty, you know, uh, that's, that's not a bad way to go is to throw that chaotic evil bit in there and just go to, you know, go to town. You know, you, you pretty much know all you need to know if it's a chaotic evil monster. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um so as a shorthand it can be really useful and i think again it can be interesting to make you think about things in a larger sense than just white hats or black hats um,
0: and there's one thing about alignment it, it is a great tool the only thing i don't like about the way it's used in some cases is the classic orc baby
1: yeah well commentary. yeah that and that's a dilemma right is it, because it, it, it but then your alignments you feel like in, in the orc baby scenario and for the listeners you probably better explain what that is but in the orc baby scenario it, alignment feels more forced on me than in any other time
0: this is the classic scenario and i've used it before when i was young and stupid and didn't know better but it comes up a lot whenever you have a group of when you're wanting to run the heroic campaign and you're the DM, you come up with this moral thing to try to make them think about the actions they're doing. And you try to come up with some more sort of moral test. And the one that's just the perfect shorthand is you have a toddler orc or you have a group of uh, you've defeated the war band, but now you found their wives who are have their babies with them. What do you do? And the question is, do you let them go? knowing that they're going to grow up to be chaotic evil and rampage across land, or do you slaughter children? And it's supposed to be a moral question, and in my opinion, it's just a false thing. It's It, it, it doesn't make you think the way you should about the alignment. It's just a way to kind of be... It, it's way too heavy-handed, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I it, I never feel more forced about my alignment than when those kinds of situations come up in a game with alignments. Um, mm mm-hmm. Now I love the idea of moral quandaries. I, I put them into my, as many of my games as a GM as possible. I try to throw in those interesting choices because that's what I think makes the heart of role playing um, is finding that creative solution, right? Um yes. But yeah, it's just for in for some reason it does feel very heavy handed when you are talking about the work baby issue. It
0: feels like a plot device. It doesn't feel like a thing because the way, it, and of course, it, it's realistic because yes, that's going to come up. These monsters breed, so therefore, there must be children versions of these monsters. So, are the children yeah. versions of the monsters evil? And th- it's just the way it's typically handled. And I'm not saying there's no way to handle it where it won't be a good moral quandary. But every single time it comes up, it always feels like, hey, here's the thing, and th- that's exactly how it felt whenever I did it as a dm it felt like hey here's the moral question how are you going to answer it you barbarian savages that you've been ripping up my campaign for three months
1: well there's you know there's also things like you know if if alignment is a thing in the world and i mean like there's some verisimilitude to alignment having you know actual repercussions like certain spells you know is a good way to look at that right and and the monster manual will tell you like some creatures are always Lawful evil are always lawful good or whatever they happen to be, right? Which is kind of a thing setting up in the world that if you meet a gold dragon, you know it's lawful good, right? If yeah. you meet a red dragon, you know it's chaotic evil because they're always chaotic evil. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure that those are actual things. I, I haven't honestly looked in the rule book, but you know what I'm talking about is like mm-hmm. if there is some kind of notation about that. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the correct colors. Right, I think it's correct colors. I'm not. Just, no, I'm just not sure if it's always or usually for them. But anyway, point being, um, depends on the edition. Depending on the edition. The point being is that um, in a world where you know for a fact that every little Barghest grows up to be chaotic evil without exception, right? That does kind of change the worldview a little bit. You know, because there's there's just absolutely no chance that they will be anything other than off, Loth- or you know, chaotic evil or whatever they happen to be. So it's it's it, it changes that paradigm a bit when you have that kind of situation. Now I've played in a game. I played in a game that went for a year. It was like I went from first to seventeenth level. And this was a game where the alignments were a, were an actual physical thing that happened in the world. This is the same one where I had the chaotic good, you know, character who was all about personal freedom. And it felt, in that particular game, it felt real. It felt like it was part of the world. It felt really cool. And, and I liked that I could sort of understand his setting a little bit more because his alignments were very out there. You know, they were, they were, it was pretty obvious like they were part of that setting. It allowed us to do some interesting things. But at the same time, um, I think in the final analysis, I tend to prefer to just not even do alignments. I, it's it's something that really only exists on the character sheet. If I'm a GM, the only you don't have to. I'm not going to uh, like uh, you put down whatever you want in that little box, really. <laughs> if I'm the GM, because <laughs> uh, because to me, it's you know the character is more far more important and far more far more impactful than the alignment ever will be.
0: And there's always those times in which even someone with a very strict alignment is going to face a moment where, and I'm not talking about paladins because that's kind of magically enforced in a way, but even lawful good dwarf fighter is going to run into an instance where they're going to act out of alignment because you murdered my friends, you killed the barmaid, I can't get any ale, I'm going to kill you even though you're unarmed and begging for mercy
1: because I'm so angry. Well, here's the thing. You know, this is you just actually remind me of something. The thing about alignment that, that actually I find the most restrictive is that it, it kind of presupposes that your character is static. It doesn't really allow you to grow to have an arc to change. And I always like to change. I like to have my character be different at the end of the campaign than he was at the beginning of the campaign. And so changing your outlook, I mean, that can be a change of alignment. There's no reason why it couldn't or shouldn't. You know, so if if that lawful good fighter comes into conflict with something and makes him challenge his beliefs, I think that's good storytelling, right? I think that's actually a, a really interesting question to see answered. I want to know what happens.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad thing is to question those and be able to grow. But that's why I think alignment shouldn't be something at least for at least for player characters should not be something that's kind of written in stone and especially should allow for a little bit of flexibility for. Yeah, my character wouldn't normally do this and he's going to feel bad that he had to do it, but he's going to do it anyway. Yeah, I would say that's how he would act.
1: I I prefer alignment to be a guideline, not a rule. Exactly. I prefer alignment to be something that you can change over time. I mean, I I, again, I, I like the idea that my character can grow and be different at the end of the campaign. So, I mean, that's kind of the big thing about alignment for me is I just don't like it because I feel like I won't. I feel like it's weird for me to change alignments because, I don't know, it's it's, it, – I'm, I'm babbling now at this point. I've lost command of the English <laughs> language. Um, but yeah, I think you know what I'm saying. I just, I just don't really care for it as a storytelling tool because of that static feel to me.
0: Yeah, and the more you move away from it being, like I said, proscriptive where it's this is how you should act. If it's descriptive saying this is a shorthand for how my character is – I feel it works a lot better that way. Agreed. The only the only exception I have to that is when you get some supernatural element involved, a paladin is going to have some sort of there is something else beyond the character that's enforcing his behavior. He can in that same situation I had with the you killed my friends, you killed my family, I'm going to kill you even though you're unarmed and begging for mercy that's maybe what my character would do in that moment but there's severe consequences because you are now a fallen paladin because you broke your code and that's a completely different thing i don't mind those because that's something the character the player is taking onto their character voluntarily
1: well that's not technically true i mean yes the player makes a choice but the gm has some responsibility there too because he set up that situation and he had to have known that that was a possibility
0: i'm using this as an example i'm talking like this is the this is the bad guy from the last three sessions straight and you finally tracked him down and now he's doing this after he's done all these bad things and it's like i said it's a it's a a poor example because it's off the top of my head well
1: i'm just saying it's it's actually bad gming if you are mechanically punishing someone for playing in character
0: unless and again unless it's Okay, your character knows that if he does this, this is going to break his code. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean,
1: you can. I would. You can justify it, you know, to some extent with that. But you know, I, I still feel like the I, f- I feel like any GM, you know, who gets you in that situation probably knew what he was doing. Like, and, and, and this is, you know, this is another thing though too. Is it I think it, it limits GMs to some extent too the idea of alignment because it prohibits. i i think a lot of gms these days that are raised on alignments they don't tend to put those kind of moral quandaries and those kinds of dilemmas in their game specifically because of that and i because the
0: the characters you already know how the character is going to act and if they act out of alignment then something happens
1: right so i yeah I, i i think that alignment you know again descriptive rather than proscriptive but i think in in some ways the damage has already been done you know as far as like how people role play like i think a lot of I'm not saying all, and I'm certainly not even saying most, but I, I think a significant number, let's put it that way, of uh mm-hmm. of GMs have been raised on this ideal of alignment as a static thing and, and you should never you should never try to make people change alignments and changing alignments is bad. And and I think that really has impacted some of the storytelling techniques, you know, that we use in role playing. Does that does that make sense to you?
0: It it completely does. It is almost across the board in my experience a generational thing people who came into the game the the later you come into the hobby the less you look like a line i look at alignment that way that's
1: true that's true
0: i have never i have never played with someone in the last five or six years who are in their 20s who said well i'm chaotic good so i would right i'll get that a lot from players who who were in their 20s before then or who are currently in their 30s or 40s because that's they looked at it as i have to play in my box right and everyone else is like looking at it a little bit more like a guideline because they're more used to the games that don't have alignments or video games that don't have very strict alignments. They may have some sort of fluid morality system to them, <laughs> kind of like Fable does. Yeah, Mass Effect, Fable, but it's those are to be honest and this is a video game thing but to be honest i haven't seen one that's actually that does a really really good job of doing that everything seems like okay there you have two options do you kill the kid or do you give them 50 gold pieces and let them on their way
1: well those games the morality in those games though too is um it's it's weird because you can't actually build up a huge meter in either side and still do something incredibly the other side you know like it, it feels impactful like Like, let's say I've been the good guy the whole time in Mass Effect, and then I get that one choice to be a total asshole, and I take it, and I'm like, in the real world, you would just be a total asshole. Like, if 99 percent of the time you're good, and then you're a total raging asshole once... You know, that's, some, that's, that's enough. You know?
0: <laughs> that's also a, that's also kind of a limitation in the medium, but we're kind of yeah. getting a little off but, uh, topic on you, that you one, get, but you get yeah, really, it's, it's, it's because it's a computer instead of a person interpreting everything.
1: Well, so. yeah, but I, I think there's, to me, that is one of the things that's been unrealistic about it. Like, cause there's been times where it's mechanically advantageous in those games to select, you know, the evil selection and you can do it and still get all the benefits of having the really high good reputation. I've been
0: Paragon this whole game. I want to take Renegade once. God damn it. Yeah.
1: And you get away with it. So it's, you know, I, you know yeah, yeah. We were talking basically about choices that don't have consequences at that point. But yeah.
0: Or if you're looking at it like I'm playing my alignment, so I have to do this way. And it's that's because of those sort of really black and white morality questions for games or gaming systems that don't have any sort of alignment system. You start to see. A lot of the younger gamers treating it a lot more fluid, which works really well. And I think fourth edition really played into that, which I think may be the only good thing about that sort of streamlined system because it wasn't so argumentative to get on which of the nine axes are you on. It's like, no, are you really, really super good, always good Boy Scout, or are you just kinda good guy? Or are you just I don't care or are you bad or are you bad? Are you
1: <laughs> bad. <laughs> well, you know, that's a question. Let's ask let's let's get to that last bullet point there. Does alignment work in the modern gaming environment?
0: Well, I wanted to say one more thing, though. We kind of brushed over a little bit. The magical creatures one. Okay. That bullet point. Because there is a fiction series that I'm kind of obsessed with called The Dresden Files. And one thing that's kind of made apparent in that series over the time when you read it is that humans are unique in that world with all the supernatural creatures going on and that Their natures are their own to determine. Many of the supernatural creatures, even the sentient ones, have something that prevents them from acting out of character. And if they do act out of character, that's when you know something majorly is wrong. For example, the she in that setting, in, in that world, cannot tell a lie. It is physically impossible for them to tell a lie. So they learn by the letter of the law, okay, I'm going to follow the letter of my law of my agreement with you. You never said this. So I've gotten all the way around it, or I talked all the way around that point, never gave you a straight answer, or we were typing, talking in hypotheticals. So I kind of, I kind of like it when that comes because it adds a little bit more to that fantasy element and adds a little bit of otherworldliness to some of the fantasy creatures if they do have a little bit more rigid restrictions well sure i don't recommend this for pcs of course this is for you know npcs yeah yeah I because think you, you never want to restrict a player's choice that
1: way. in that way having some kind of code of conduct that's incontrovertible can be really interesting that's true but it co- but again code of conduct i mean the the Lian and she which is the character you're talking about she's you know, I mean, let, let's be honest. I don't really want to. I don't even really want to try and gauge where she lies on the good evil chart. And I really wouldn't even want to try and gauge where she lies on the lawful chaotic chart. But the one thing we know about her that we can say for sure is she does a lot. Yes. Right.
0: And again, that in my opinion, that is one way to interpret the. I. I. If I had to put her on, I would say lawful neutral. Well, because she is definitely not a good person but she has to follow her word
1: like I said it, it this is you know it's it's, it's and that is to also picking
0: very that is also cherry picking my data and being very narrow in my definitions and there's a lot of debate you can make about that because she is a three-dimensional character she makes choices that seem erratic
1: well you can make a lot of we, we can debate all day like what whether one character is or is not mm-hmm alignment means you know it, that we can make a shorthand comment if we really wanted to about her but i don't think we want to i think i think leanne and she i think when you get to characters that are that complex and that interesting that alignment no longer suffices that i think you need to just give that character their own space as far as what that means in your story e- even if you're role even even in a role-playing game i would i would say you know i think some characters are just really beyond alignment let's not even worry about their alignment let's you know that character is that character
0: again it's using it as a tool when it works and don't use it when it doesn't and in my my opinion that's one of the ways you can make it work for you is using it to kind of add that little bit of otherworldliness they these creatures don't have the level of free will that we do they are not as bendable and changeable and flexible which in most D&D and fantasy style settings, that's usually the advantage of being human is being able to be that versatile and changeable. It's a tool. If you want to use it that way, you can. It's, it's up to you. That's one of the interpretations I like about it, when you can use it that way.
1: Well, all right. I, I, I think the, the place we got to with that was actually really important and interesting because, because the idea of a character being beyond alignment is, I think, a yes. valuable one. Let's get back to the idea of does alignment work in modern gaming?
0: Again, I'm going back to exactly what I was just saying. I like it as a tool. I don't like it as a prescriptive, you have to use it rule set. It's, I like having it as a DM, as a player. I like having it in my toolbox. If I want to use it, I don't want to be forced into that little box when I'm trying to make a character, whether it's an NPC or a player character.
1: Well, I think this, you know, this question actually is probably a little more broad. I mean, is it functional is alignment functional? Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't not work. Right. I mean, we, we've talked about a lot of its problems and we talked about a lot of its bumps and, and bruises and things like that. But, you know, again, we've also talked about some things that do work for it. So yeah, it's functional, but you know, for me, I think if I had to say, you know, does it really work in the broader sense of modern, in modern gaming, I this is going to be controversial, but I honestly don't think so. I am. I think that modern gaming has moved on from alignment. I think alignment is kind of a relic. I think there are better ways to give shorthands. I, I, th- I think there's better ways to do what alignment does well without all the baggage that comes along with what alignment is.
0: And I, I would agree with that. I, I think my only thing is... Alignment, I still think alignment is a good good tool. It's kind of permeated the culture at this point. So you can't, even if it didn't work, you can't really get away from it. Because again, look at all the image macros out there.
1: Yeah, you can't get away from it. That's. I agree with that. <laughs>
0: but I think there are better ways to utilize it than it has been in the past in many cases. And I think, in my opinion, the more you make it a game mechanic, the further you get away from its usefulness. Again, you're bringing those walls in and turning it into a box. The more rules you add on to it,
1: yeah, yeah, I, you're right. Um, so I, I'm just going to go on record again. Like my opinion is is more controversial than that. I just I think we need to do something. I think modern gaming is beyond a line. We we can do better stuff.
0: And to be honest, I would really really like it if there was something that was that filled that same hole of being a quick shorthand description of my character without having to have the boxes
1: well i think you know there's ways to i I think that's just really your character concept i mean if you have a good way of saying what your character concept is then you know what your morality is you know what your 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 general beliefs are at least for you your own specific character now maybe that shorthand is you know maybe puts a little more weight on the gm like when he's looking at bad guys and he wants to know what those bad guys are like but I think that's, you know, what really describing the, the society and culture of the bad guys is going to do is it's going to give you an idea of what they're like. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure we need those shorthands anymore. Things like aspects and fate are not really alignment. but They tell you what your character is about. There's, you know, the hindrances and savage worlds. They're not really alignment, but they tell you what your character is about. Uh, these are the things I think that we kind of have evolved into. I think that's where gaming is and. and And is, is presently, right? Is just at that, at that stage where your, your concept is, is delivered down into a shorthand that you understand. And and the concept of the bad guys is just a couple of sentences underneath their header that the GM key glance at and go, ah, okay, I get it. I, that's just, I just think that's just where we are now. Can it be fixed? Could we fix alignment to, to work better? Probably. Um, but it's, you know, I'm honestly, I'm just not sure if it's really worth it. I know I'm kind of coming off as a downer. I mean, after all the stuff, (laughs) after all, and I'm normally the optimist of the two of us, right? Um, but this is one of those cases where I'm just like, you know, I think, I think it's better to put alignment on the shelf and say, you know, you did a good job while we needed you, but I think we're, we're past that point now.
0: I will 99% agree with you (laughs) with a 1% exception. And that's, as I said, it's kind of ingrained in the culture now with D20 system fantasy roleplay. whether it should or should not be separated from it. I don't think it can be without it feeling like something's missing from it because it's
1: been there. So, well, long. let's let me let's say this out loud, like specifically Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Any other game could probably get away with it. Any other game, even possibly even Pathfinder could just wake up one day and say we're not using alignment anymore um but i think what you're saying is and if if i understand you correctly what you're saying is that the idea of alignment is ingrained specifically into dungeons and dragons to where it's not really yes. D if there isn't alignment
0: yes and, I, and the reason why i said d20 fantasy is i kind of feel the same way about pathfinder and the osr systems if you take a, and again it, it again it may just be the branding and nostalgia and this is what it should be but it it. Taking alignment out, it doesn't feel as bad as taking out something like, you know, the six attributes or cl- classes or levels, but which is our, a discussion for another day, whether classes should still be around, but I feel it's something that's so ingrained in the system that I don't know if, if we took out alignment from D and D if it would still feel the same.
1: Okay, you know, and and that's an argument I can get behind because you're, you're right. There are certain things about D&D specifically and that extends to, you're right, it extends to Pathfinder and OSR um, where some of the feel, the, the distinctiveness of that game is lost if there is no alignment. I agree with that.
0: And that may be why I'm a little bit defensive of alignment is because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what would D&D be without alignment. It would be...
1: No, you've got a point.
0: D&D, but not something's off to me and that's i've been playing the game for 20 years now so
1: well i think that's alignment we've pretty much covered it (laughs) yep so where you can find us on the interwebs maybe might be our next thing and what our latest deals are
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i write for any cool news i cover tabletop gaming news that column is a lot more review focused on games it is a lot more focused on News, new things that are coming out, all the little leaks
1: from D&D next. There's an awful lot of great news in it.
0: Yes. I try to cram as much as I can into every column. And I try to spread things out, talk about the big name games as well as the indie stuff, board games, card games, basically anything that doesn't require, doesn't necessarily require a computer to play. I'm going to be covering it on the site. Uh, I also talk about Kickstarters every single week. I highlight three to five of them that are really good. Uh, you can find that over at Ain'tItCool.com. Uh, again, on gamerstavern.org, which is our website, I, every once in a while, will pop up with a blog if I want to do something that's a little bit more editorializing. If I want to talk about, like, the state of the gaming industry or something we've talked about on the show that I wanted to expand upon a little bit more that we didn't have time to cover, I'll occasionally put a blog up on there about that. I also have a cooking blog that, uh, is focused on making food for game night so that you're not bringing those greasy, crappy fast food burgers, which Yeah, don't get me wrong, I kind of like them too, but it's a way to really enhance your game night by making these really nice, easy to make, really tasty and really cheap dishes to serve to your fellow gamers. And what am I working on now?
1: That's about it. And
0: lots of conventions coming up, so we,
1: we should definitely uh make sure and remind our listeners that if they want to make any comments or tell us anything about what they think, they can find us at gamers and we have our our show is on iTunes. We have a Facebook page. What are some other ways Twitter, right? You can follow us on Twitter at Um I'm at Abstruse on Twitter. And I'm at Ross Watson One with no O. It's kinda of messed up. I, I need to get a new Twitter <laughs> handle. I really do. I apparently suck at, at Twitter
0: well apparently said away because the uh the gamers tavern has its own twitter account that i really need to start utilizing more but it is at gamers tavern pc as in podcast yeah that was a little bit hard to figure one out to get that was available but you can find us on there we're also on google plus if you look for us there we have links at gamers tavern out of work for all those as well if you want to check us down we are also on several different other podcasting including stitcher if you want to listen to us there
1: I have a brand new, brandy new website, which is called com. We'll have that in the show notes.
0: Mm-hmm. And on
1: the about page. And on the about page. <laughs> and we are continuing to do our game table, uh, which is our actual play. And let's see, my latest thing is probably, at, t- at the time we're recording this, I-, I imagine we'll have something actually on the web to show you. Unfortunately, I... Can't say that right now. Maybe next show I'll tell you exactly where to go to find out about this. But I'm involved with the 40th anniversary edition of the Arduin Grimoire, uh, which is a really uh, awesome setting. It's very—it's basically Thunder the Barbarian in a lot of ways. <laughs> And uh, it was an one r- of the
0: uh, one of the original campaign yes. settings for role playing games back in the. yeah, day. It was
1: it was basically what it, it came out in 1974, so it was one of the very, very first. and it's it's getting a, a really awesome new update uh, and we're excited to uh, to talk about talk about that. We'll, we'll We'll probably go over more about that in, in future podcasts when we have time. Yeah. And uh, if you can tell us uh, one of the reasons why I brought up the whole idea about giving us feedback is if you want to tell us uh, something about what you want to see more of on the show, or if there are certain guests or certain topics you want us to, to cover, don't hesitate to let us know. No. Oh, and we have a shop now, by the way. We totally have a shop.
0: Yes, we do. We've got some merchandise up. It's, uh, lots of t-shirts. Uh, one of my favorites is I, I actually went and bought one full price because I don't get a discount, but it's a very nice steel flask with the Gamers Tavern logo on it. And it is awesome. And we've got lots of others of Keychain stickers. Uh, and we've got a shirt that yep. Ross designed that I went ahead and put together for him. Uh,
1: go. You, you gotta be critting me. <sighs> <laughs> you got to be critting me, and you remember you support the show; it helps it grow. Exactly. So we appreciate all of you guys' support, and uh, you know, twenty-eight episodes in, this has uh, you know been a pretty incredible run with this podcast. I'm very, very happy with it, and I'm excited to see where we go next. Uh, we will be having some great guests uh, coming up. We will be having some even more interesting topics. I, I know personally, I'd love to get Rob Schwab back on the show for. <laughs> <laughs> At least one episode, I'm uh, trying to get my friend Mel Odom to come talk to us about uh, game fiction, which he knows a little bit about.
0: Yeah. And something we touched on a little bit in this episode was the disruptive player, the chaotic neutral guy. Uh, we have an episode coming up where we're going to be talking about all those races and classes and characters and clans that people just don't like. The kinder, the bards, the illusionists, the Malkavians, and got some <clears throat> interesting guests in trying to get lined up for that one.
1: You know, it's really important for me to say this, but we're going to do this in a balanced way with no hate. So if you happen to be a Malkavian player or a Kendra player, you know, we're not going to just slam all of you. We're just going to talk about the particular issues that those characters sometimes face. That's what we're talking about.
0: And how to, as a player, not be that guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, I think I think learning how to be better players is a, is a laudable thing that we can definitely talk about on the show. So, all right. And I think that brings us to a close on episode 28.
0: Well, don't you have some Accursed stuff coming out, oh, too?
1: Well, um, let's see. If I haven't mentioned it before, we have the Banshee of Loch Veneer, which is Rich Baker's adventure. Uh, that's yep. available now. We have um, Long Dead and Twice Buried, which is an adventure by Shane Hensley. That's also available. Um, of course, we have the, the novellas from Mel Odom and Richard Lee Byers, which are also available if you want to read some awesome stories set in the world of Accursed. With all that being said, thank you for being listeners, and we will catch up with you later on the Gamer's Tavern. May all your hits be crits.
0: Well, that about wraps things up for the Gamer's Tavern this week. Tune in next week where our guests will be Brandon Ginsimer and Justin Suzuki as we talk about those character builds you just love to hate. Kinder, Gnomes, Bards, Paladins, Malkavians, Deckers, all those player character types that just get hate. Piled on top of them. So we've got a lot of comments to get through because I haven't had a chance to do them in a long time because of various technical and time issues. And the first one comes from Facebook and it's about episode 25 crowdfunding or no more Cthulhu zombie games. Michael Cox writes, That's too funny. I was just getting ready to make a post about why we're not kickstarting a Cthulhu or zombie game when I saw this. Yeah, Michael, there is a glut of those in the market, and there's only a handful of good ones out there. I'm kind of betting Sherlock Holmes is going to be next because I think that's hitting public domain this year. Um, by the way, Michael Cox is the wonderful person who designed both our logo and our banner ad, so I feel it's only fair to let you know that he is currently running a Kickstarter for his company, angry ogre games it's a collection of five different board games with a lot of references to the church of the subgenius so if you search on kickstarter for angry ogre you'll find it there check it out it's awesome i finally started using the gamers tavern twitter account you can follow us over at gamers tavern pc as in podcast on twitter and i got into a conversation with kevin c mason who tweets as art of paint and he writes Loving the podcast. It's one of the longer podcasts I listen to. I can tell it's good because I always wanted to go for another half hour. I'd love to hear an episode on paperless gaming. Well, Kevin, that is a very long tweet. It's actually three tweets that I strung together. But um, you're actually in luck because episode six of the Gamers Tavern, uh, this was back when I was still stupidly hosting and it was called You All Meet in a Tavern and the audio quality was shit. But uh, anyway, we did an episode with Jesse Scoville about technology and gaming, and it's also a topic we're probably going to do again because if you've heard that episode, I come off as kind of a gaming Luddite, and I've kind of seen the light in a way because Gamers Tavern Game Table is a completely digital game. We play the game over Skype, we have digital dice rollers, and of course, our characters are created and managed with the amazing, award-winning character management software from Lone Wolf Development, Hero Lab, who's also kind of our sponsor. But it is amazing, and it's brought me around. I'm all on board with digital gaming, but we'll revisit that in the future. We also got a tweet from Snowflake Specialist, who can be found at BC. E-E-J-E-D on Twitter. Listening to the most recent Gamers Tavern. I really need to play a birthright game. You and me both, man. You and me both. So now we're going to come back home to our home turf at GamersTavern.org where, and I apologize, I'm going to screw up your name, Joe well Olweniki. He, sorry. Uh, who, who, he's apparently going through our archives. And uh, speaking of, I would like to welcome the listeners of the Arcology podcast. Uh, Ross and I were a guest this week over on their show talking about Shadowrun, how we produce the Game Table podcast. And Ross talked a little bit about his work on Sprawl Gangers. So make sure to check that out. Uh, anyway, Joe says... One thing not mentioned about Rifts is that it uses a different game mechanic for different aspects of the game, such as combat and magic. While this adds complexity, a plus to this is the different mechanics make these different aspects feel different during gameplay. In other generic systems, they repeat the same game mechanic and can feel bland when trying to combine everything because it's just the same mechanic gets repeated in gameplay. Uh, he's obviously talking about our kitchen sink episode, episode 13 with Ivan Fan Norman. And uh, yes, this is a very important point to bring up, but I actually feel it's a failing of Rift's and also a sign of the time in which it was developed. Uh, You hit the nail on the head when you said it adds complexity because when you get different aspects of the same system using different mechanics, it feels like a completely different game. It's one of the complaints a lot of people have about deckers in Shadowrun since all the way back in the game launched because it feels like you're not playing the same game. And I kind of like it a little bit better. I understand wanting to add flavor, and I like adding a couple of new mechanics, but I think the core of a game should remain the same no matter what type of character you play, and just the flavor gets added on in bonuses and other little tweaks you can do. So that's my opinion, though. Some people like the complexity. I personally don't. It's not my thing. Finally, we have a comment from Super Terrorizer, who uh, writes about Gamers Tavern Game Table Episode 5. Now this, this feels like a Shadowrun game. The outcome determined by the knife's edge of a die roll and a kind GM. I'm sure it's all a setup for extra pain down the road. The beauty of Shadowrun being that we can see what happens when a pixie tangles with a roto drone with a sniper rifle hardpoint and sharpshooter softs. Very few games offer us this chance. A writer has to suffer to be great, after all. In all seriousness, some of the best roleplay I've come across for Shadron with more than a few laughs from me as I worked. Excellent work, excellent podcast. I'm glad you decided to do an actual playcast after hearing you talk about Shadron on episode 7 and hearing how much you dug the setting. Keep it up, guys. It's a really great group that doesn't talk all over each other and gets along very well and understands the setting and it really comes through when listening. Nice editing, audio leveling as well. A rarity in actual play podcasts. If you are someone wondering about a Shadowrun actual play podcast, this one is absolutely worth your time. Uh, Super Terrorizer, I sincerely want to thank you for your kind words. Rerecord over Skype. We don't do multi-track recordings like we do for Gamers Tavern. It's two channels. I'm on one channel through the Mixer, and they're all in, on a channel from the Skype call. Just like every other tabletop game you've ever played in your life we talk over each other we laugh we go off topic we make jokes that have nothing to do there's a lot of table talk and everything else seriously and everyone's setups different some people are on headsets some people have proper microphones some people are turned up loud some people are low and we record four to five hours of audio per session and each session gets edited down into those two one hour long episodes that i've been posting it takes a lot of time to make that sound good to keep it on topic to keep the funny bits and make it feel like an organic game without you know just completely derailing the discussion like we do when we're actually playing where we'll go off for 15 minutes talking about usual suspects or something and working with the audio is a cast iron fucking pain in my ass so i really really appreciate it that you recognize my hard work and i thank you very much and i thank all of our listeners and i hope that all of you really appreciate the work that i put into this as well and i hope you keep listening to gamers tavern and gamers tavern game table That's it for the comments this week. If you'd like to leave us a comment, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, leave a review on iTunes, or go to our website at GamersTavern.org. There, you can also find the Gamers Tavern store, as well as links to our sponsors to help support the show. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 license. For music credits, please see our website. Until next time... The tavern is closed. Did you think the Spirit Store was only open during Halloween? Well, I've got some news for you. The perfect place for that hard-to-find accessory for your newest cosplay, unique home decor for your LARP, that awesome prop for your D&D game. They've got it all. Whether you're on a budget or you're looking for the highest quality product you can find, Spirit has what you need. Just go to the show notes or to GamersTavern.org and click on the affiliate link to support the show and find that perfect item now.